Trapcast Express. Tradcast Express, it's Friday, September 2nd, 2022. Well, folks, it looks like the semi-trads have found yet another argument designed to keep you recognizing Jorge Bergoglio, Francis, as a valid pope while rejecting his pesky magisterium. On July 14th, Dr. John Joy published an article on 1 Peter 5 entitled, The Pope is not the Church, and the Church is not the Pope. In it, he claims that the teaching of the Pope is not, by that very fact, also the teaching of the Church. He says, quote, One of the common symptoms of hyperpapalism is a tendency to identify the Pope with the Church, or to identify papal teaching with Church teaching, as if the two were entirely synonymous. Unquote. In other words, the church can teach one thing and the pope another, and so just because you're adhering to the teaching of the pope doesn't mean you're actually in line with the teaching of the church, see? In fact, you might be denying church teaching by adhering to papal teaching, so you'd better be careful about listening to the pope. That is essentially what John Joy is telling us. Now, that may be quite clever and creative, but it is absurd on its face. Of course, there is a distinction between Pope and Church, since the Pope is not the Church itself. But he is the visible head of the Church, and Dr. Joy acknowledges as much. Now, it should go without saying that when the head of the Church teaches, it is the Church teaching— since the head is the principal part of the body. In his encyclical letter on the Church as the mystical body of Christ, Pope Pius XII states, quote, that Christ and his vicar constitute one only head is the solemn teaching of our predecessor of immortal memory, Boniface VIII, in the apostolic letter Unam Sanctum, and his successors have never ceased to repeat the same. Unquote. That's from the encyclical Mystici Corporis number 40. Now, Dr. Joy does agree that the Pope can speak for the whole church, but he maintains that that isn't the case most of the time. Joy writes, quote, When it comes to teaching and matters of faith and morals, the Pope only speaks for the church when he speaks ex cathedra, and when he does that, he does possess the full infallibility of the church, unquote. Now, that is insane. The idea that the Pope only speaks for the church on faith and morals when he makes an infallible ex cathedra pronouncement. In fact, that is implicitly contradicted by Pope Pius XII in the encyclical Humani Generis, paragraph 22, quote, nor must it be thought that what is expounded in encyclical letters does not of itself demand consent, since in writing such letters the popes do not exercise the supreme power of their teaching authority. For these matters are taught with the ordinary teaching authority of which it is true to say, He who heareth you heareth me. Unquote. And that is uh, from Luke 
10.16, the he who heareth you heareth me. So, in other words, Pius Twelfth is making clear that just because something is not infallible doesn't mean you don't have to agree with it. And he says very specifically that what is taught by the Roman pontiff in his ordinary, non-infallible magisterium requires the faithful's assent of itself, meaning simply because the Roman pontiff is teaching it. And what the Roman pontiff binds on earth is bound in heaven, as we know. When the Pope teaches, it is Christ who teaches, in a sense. So, how could it not be the teaching of the Church? In fact, since Pius XII says that every Catholic is required to accept papal teaching, the papal magisterium binds the entire Church. Ah, but then Dr. Joy might just say that that's just Pius XII's teaching, not the Church's, right? See, see to what chaos and absurdity his position leads. Now, we can ask ourselves, why is Dr. Joy doing that? Why is he trying to maximize the distinction between Pope and Church in that way? Well, I don't know, of course, but to me, the rather obvious answer is that he's trying to come up with a way to justify resistance to the magisterium of Francis while at the same time claiming to be loyal to the church, right? How convenient. I'm not rejecting church teaching, just the teaching of the Pope. And look, I know this may seem like a clever theological solution at first, but it actually has horrific consequences. Just think about what this would mean. It would mean that, at times, a Catholic can, and even must, resist and reject the teaching of the Pope in order to be faithful to the Church. So, who's the faithful Catholic, then? The one who adheres to the Pope, or the one who adheres to the Church? See, once you start thinking about it, you can see that such a scenario would rip the church apart. The Pope would no longer be the principle of unity, but the principle of chaos. But this is what you get when you accept the false popes since Vatican II as true popes. You have to twist yourself into a pretzel trying to explain what you see, and you end up with heaps of contradictions. Not mystery simply, as in Sedevacantism, but contradictions. Joy's position puts the church above the Pope in a way, as if the church could overrule the Pope, so to speak. And that is a typical trait of the heresy of Gallicanism. In 1870, the First Vatican Council taught, quote, Therefore, they stray from the straight path of truth who affirm that it is permitted to appeal from the judgments of the Roman pontiffs to an ecumenical council as to an authority higher than the Roman pontiff. Unquote. That's Denzinger, 1830. So, one reason why papal teaching is church teaching is that the Pope teaches the whole church. He, as the rock, is in fact the foundation and principle of unity and stability for the whole church. 
Of course, the Pope isn't always speaking as the head of the church. He can also speak as a private theologian, as Pope John XXII was doing when he defended his erroneous position on the beatific vision in a series of sermons in the 14th century. But when the Pope exercises his magisterium, even the non-infallible kind, then his teaching is church teaching. And don't think I'm making it up. The First Vatican Council quotes the Council of Florence of the 15th century with these words, quote, The pontiff of Rome himself is the, is the successor of the blessed Peter, the chief of the apostles, and is the true vicar of Christ and head of the whole church and faith and teacher of all Christians, unquote. That's Denzinger, 1826. It is very specifically the Pope himself who is the teacher of all Christians, not simply the church as a whole. In fact, as we just said, the Pope teaches the church. The Church of Rome, the Diocese of Rome, of which the Pope is the chief bishop, teaches the churches of all the other dioceses throughout the world that are in communion with the Pope. That is how it works. Vatican I says very clearly that all Catholics must render to the Roman See, quote, hierarchical subordination and true obedience, not only in things which pertain to faith and morals, but also in those which pertain to the discipline and government of the Church, which is spread over the whole world, so that the Church of Christ protect it not only by the Roman pontiff, but by the unity of communion as well as of the profession of the same faith is one flock under the one highest shepherd, unquote. It's Denzinger 1827. And a little bit later, the same council says, quote, Furthermore, it follows that from that supreme power of the Roman pontiff of ruling the universal church, the same has the right in the exercise of this duty of his office of communicating freely with the pastors and flocks of the whole church so that the same can be taught and guided by him in the way of salvation, unquote. Denzinger, 1829. So clearly, the Pope teaches the church. And how could it be otherwise? Are the bishops going to teach the Pope? And how is that going to work? Imagine the bishops of Austria rebuking the Pope for teaching error, but then the bishops of Malaysia coming to his defense, and then the bishops of Brazil signaling they're not sure about the matter, so maybe we should pull in the bishops of France, but then the Belgians complaining that the French don't know what they're talking about and that we should give the benefit of the doubt to the Pope. I mean, it, just imagine the utter chaos. You know, it's so easy to stand there and say, well, the Pope is not always infallible. Well, yeah, that's true, but neither are the bishops. And the Pope is always the divinely appointed teacher to whom all Catholics are obliged to listen. In his 1890 encyclical Sapientiae Christiane, Pope Leo XIII calls the Pope, quote, the master of all that is to be believed and to be practiced, 
unquote. You can find that in Denzinger 1936C. In an allocution of February 20th, 1903, the same Pope Leo XIII noted that, quote, by God's commandment, salvation is to be found nowhere but in the church, unquote. And then he made it more precise, saying that, quote, the strong and effective instrument of salvation is none other than the Roman pontificate, unquote. And lastly, in an address of May 10th, 1909, Pope St. Pius X said the following, quote, Do not let yourselves be deceived by the subtle declarations of others who do not cease to pretend that they wish to be with the Church, to love the Church, to fight for her so that she will not lose the masses, to work for the Church so that she will come to understand the times and so to win back the people and attach them to herself. Judge these men according to their works. If they maltreat and despise the ministers of the church and even the pope, if they try by every means to minimize their authority, to evade their direction and to disregard their counsels, if they do not fear to raise the standard of rebellion, what church are these men speaking about? not certainly of that church established upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, unquote. But there we go again, quoting merely the teaching of popes and not of the church. Let us pray and hope that the semi-traditionalists will come to recognize that what they've been deriding as hyperpapalism is, for the most part, really just the traditional Catholic teaching on the papacy. The problem is not with the papacy. The problem is that the man who currently claims to be Pope isn't one. Tradcast Express is a production of Novos Ordo Watch. Check us out at tradcast.org, and if you like what we're doing, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution at novosordowatch.org slash donate.